Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have you found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May it continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, High Point Church. How are you guys? 
Boy, I, I'm excited to see you guys today. You look good. You look like you've been getting some sun. And uh, you do. I, I know I have. This has been my kind of summer. I hate it when it's really hot. I like about 70 to 75 degrees temperature. Clear skies. I'll take that all year. That's why I'm trying to talk my wife into moving to California. That's a joke. That's a little bit of a joke, sort of. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just love that kind of temperature. I can take that all year round. And I used to like the seasons. I used to enjoy the seasons. But now that I'm up here a little bit, I'm like, what's the seasons? Who cares about seasons? You know. <laughs> um, about two years ago, I'm not sure if Nick mentioned this uh, earlier or not, because I wasn't in for the first part of his remarks. Mike Beresford came to do some coaching. In fact, it was around the time that I joined the staff that Mike first came. And he taught the elders and deacons and just a phenomenal series of trainings, really trying to encourage us to make evangelism a part of our everyday lives. That's what I remember. And then he preached that Sunday, and it was very well received. And then when he was here, I had a chance to sit down with him for about an hour. And I got two pages of notes on pastoral stuff that I could use immediately. So I just want to say, uh, along with Nick, I'm excited to have him come to, to High Point. Um, I think you can look forward to some great days ahead through his leadership. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. Um, let's go ahead and jump right in. I really love the scripture. I really love the Word of God, especially its call to devotion, to put your whole heart in it. The reason I like the calls to put your whole heart into God, or even if I'm working out in the business community, or even in relation to how I parent, is that I know that when all of my heart is invested in something, the opportunity for excellence is like this high. So when I read scripture, like in Deuteronomy with Moses and him exhorting the people to total commitment to God, or like when one of the prophets comes to one of the old kings and says, listen, enough of your foolishness. Let's get committed to God. That really speaks to me. It speaks to where I live. Um, this morning's theme is full devotion receives God's favor. Now, I want you to bear with me just a couple minutes before we look into this wonderful story of Ruth and Boaz that is the focus of chapter two. I want you to bear with me. Just give me a couple of minutes while I help you flesh out why devotion is so important to God, and it should be so important to, to us. Just a few passages that talk about devotion. King Asa is the third king of Judah. Uh, you remember Solomon and the many wives, and the split kingdom, north and south. Asa is the third king of Judah. 
In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha king of Israel went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa king of Judah. So the nation is split. You've got Israel in the north. You've got Judah and Benjamin in the south. And Israel is coming against him. And then Asa took silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. He, he needed some help. Uh, he, he definitely needed some help, so he sent out to our neighboring king. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, and there, as there was between my father and your father. His father would have been Abijah. And your father, see, I am sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, the king of Israel in the north, so he will withdraw from me. So this is exactly what happened. It worked out perfectly. This king came and attacked. The king of Israel had to flee, and he was saved. Then God sent a prophet to see King Asa. At that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army whose great number of chariots, with great number of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole world to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on, you will be at war. Backstory, King Asa, just a few pages behind, called on God. He said, God, you're the one who is mighty and powerful and saves the powerless. This is out of his own lips, King Asa, and God, it said that this particular army was much bigger and stronger, and God, it says, thwarted and struck him with a mighty blow. Yet this next turn around, he, he turns now to a separate king. God searches for and strongly supports devoted followers. So now Moses is about to turn over leadership to Joshua. And he has read the law, blesses and curses. And he has told them, listen, if you obey God, this is, you can't lose. But if not, you got big trouble. And this is what he says. And if you are drawn away to bow down to the other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heavens and earth as a witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, that you may listen to his voice, that you may hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. Because devotion to God involves love, obedience and perseverance over the long haul. And I like uh, uh, the Apostle Paul. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. 
inspiring me to give everything to Jesus, even to prioritize him above my family or my ministry, even to prioritize him over everything I think is dear. I want to know Christ. Yet to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his in sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have already attained this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward is ahead, I press towards the mark, to the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this teaches me that following Jesus is a I'm all in commitment Amen. that grants him priority over everything else. And I think for us Americans who have been blessed with so much, it's important for us to take a moment from time to time and remember this call. Just one last one. The Pharisees are questioning Jesus about what's the most important thing, what's the most important law that one should keep. And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You get that all. In other words, every fiber of your being, commit that to, to, to God. Because loving God is the foundation of devotion. So this tells me, this quick Bible study tells me around devotion, I come to this basic conclusion. That full devotion involves love and loyalty to our God. Both faith, I believe him, and I will do everything he says. Because full devotion receives God's favor. You will recall, I want to say it was the 28th of June, Pastor Nick was preaching to us, giving us a vision of what he saw in terms of our life and times as it relates to how culture and how things are changing. And he said something that really stuck with me. And I, I think he said it a couple different ways. But the gist of it was that we Christians need to become mighty people in morality, towers of virtue. We need to become towers of virtue if those who are non-Christians are to take us seriously that we no longer can be lukewarm, in and out kind of people, that we've got to be fully devoted in the ways in which we serve him, so that the beauty of our gospel is manifest to the world, it's clear to anyone because of our lives, simply because of our lives, before we open up our mouths. And so what we see in Ruth and Boaz, I think Nick would agree, that these are people of towers of virtue. And so why we need to study them is to understand what we can learn from them about full devotion and pleasing God. This is what we can learn from them. So let's get started. The first thing I want you to understand 
is that Ruth and Boaz, no doubt about it, are fully devoted to the Lord. Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, listen, our husbands are dead. On the route back to Bethlehem from Moab, 50-mile trip, somewhere in there, she says, listen, you can go back. I love you. I'm thinking about your future. As best as I can tell, it doesn't look bright for you to find a husband and a new life in Bethlehem. I'm releasing you. Go back to your families. Go back to your gods. They, they, they cling to her. They cry. They say, no, we love you so much. And I think that's real and legitimate what happens. But then she reiterates it. She says, no, I'm insistent. I really want what I think is best for you. You need to go back. And Orpah thinks about it. She considers the situation. She knows that what her mother-in-law is saying to her is very practical, and she starts to trek back. And then what happens is Naomi turns to Ruth and says, what, what are you doing standing in my face? Don't you see what she's gone? Don't you see that she's gone? And then she says to her, listen, don't ask me to go back. Where you go, I'm going. Where you die, I'm going to die. And your God is going to be my God. And may God deal with me ever so severely if I ever even dare to go back on that. And Naomi sees how serious she is and how, how certain she is and how clear and how fully committed she is. And she says, this, this young woman, she wants to be an Israelite. She wants to be a part of the family of God. There's nothing I can do about that. And they just walk back quietly. They get to Bethlehem. It seems like the next day, this young woman says to her mother-in-law, can I go out to the fields? And I want to glean behind the followers. I, I'm not sure where I'm going. I'm just going to go out and, and, and try to pick up some things so that we can eat. Is that okay? And her mother says, yes, daughter. May the Lord grant you favor. And through the providence of God, she happens to go out and glean in the field of Boaz. She goes to Boaz's foreman and says, listen, she explains the situation. I'm here. Will you let me just glean beside your workers? I'll work. I'll be quiet. Would you let me do that? And he agrees. Shortly thereafter, Boaz shows up. And he's a very attentive person. He blesses his workers. That impresses the... That really impresses me. He blesses his workers. They know he's a godly man. The Lord bless you. And they return it. The Lord bless you, brother, to their boss. That's when you know if you lead people, that's when you know you got something going on right. When your people are blessing you, when your people are glad that they work in your, in your area. That is like, you can't beat that with a stick. That's awesome. And that's what happens in his area. And he notices, and you, now we get a chance to see why he's such a good leader. He notices, says, who's that strange woman? She's not one of our workers. And the foreman gives her the story, gives him the story. And Boaz has heard about this woman. And he says to her immediately, he says, listen, listen, my daughter. He said, listen, I don't want you to go to anybody's field. My workers are going to protect you all season. You can stay here. The, harv the, the, the barley and the wheat season, all season, you can harvest here. Right? And, 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 he, and she says, and I'll provide you water, too. And if you need a snack, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle it. And she says, 
oh my God, she bows her head and she says, why have I found such favor in your sight? I'm a Moabite, I'm a, I'm a nobody. How did this happen? And this is what he says. Boaz replied, I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you didn't even know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. And may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Here's what he says. You have left everything for the God of Israel. You have left everything to take care of your mother-in-law. And so on behalf of God, I'm compelled to support you further. I'm, I'm praying for you. Bless you, daughter. May the Lord continue to bless you because you have put your full faith, your full hope, and not only just your words, you said you would come, but you walked the 50 miles. And not only did you get here, you didn't come looking for a handout, you came out to the fields. Daughter, daughter, I'm, whatever I can do for you is, is what's happening here. This woman is a godly woman. She is totally devoted. Not only does she say, speak devotion, she lives devotion. That's our daughter, Ruth. Now, to understand Boaz, I think you need to understand his mother. Real quick, Rahab is a prostitute. She lives on the wall, on a house on the wall in Jericho. The Israelites, Joshua, is just about to enter Canaan. He's been given authority to do so. He sends two spies. The spies come in at night. They go to the prostitute's house. She comes in. She has heard that the God of Israel has totally obliterated the Egyptian uh, army in the Red Sea. She hears, she, she's heard that the Amorites who came out to attack Israel have been beaten down, beaten into the dust. And she says, listen, I know that the Lord is God of heaven and earth. The king of Jericho gets word that their spies are coming to the land. He sends soldiers to her house. And what she does is she hides them. She tells them they're gone. She hides them on the roof under some flax. And then after they're gone, she says, listen, take care of me and my, my mother and my father, my brothers and sisters, all of the, their kids, take care of me. And I, I'm in, I'm all in with the God of Israel. And they said, listen, great, all you've got to do is when we come back, have everybody in your house put this red cord so we'll know the right place, and you got a deal. And this is such an outstanding thing in Israel that in Hebrews chapter 11, she is considered, Rahab is considered to be one of the heroes of faith because she turned her back on everything. She permitted treason against her country because she was convinced of the power and love of the God of Israel. She's totally devoted. 
And so this young man, Boaz, was raised in her house. A, a foreign woman who left everything to come to Israel, who married a righteous man named Salmon, totally converted. Is This is his mother. Two in one. Now Naomi had a relative on her side, on her husband's side. A man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. He was a man of standing. He was, he, not only did he have substantial wealth, he had tremendous character. And that's what we see in him in terms of how he engages this woman. His generosity is outstanding. His relationship with his workers, his concern for his relative Naomi, his humility, when he gives this blessing, don't miss this. This is really powerful. You, you, you men out there, people like me, who uh, have some accomplishment, whatever level of accomplishment we think we have, and power and so forth. Look how he blesses her. He doesn't, she says, why have you given me favor? Here's what he says. May the Lord repay you. He's humble. He recognizes that everything that he has comes through God, what God has done for his mother, what God has done for him, what God has done in terms of taking the famine and turning in the rain and bringing the harvest. He said, this is God. May, the, may, may God, come on, man. man, this is the kind of men that we need to be. May God work through us to bless our churches. May God work through us to bless our families. May God work through us to bless our businesses. May God do his good works through an open vessel. That's what we want to be. Boaz is a bad man. He is a courageous man. He is a humble man. He is a generous man. I was looking at Proverbs and it talks about a generous person will be blessed. You generous people out there who are, have made it possible for us to exceed our budget by 177, who are sending these workers over to the DR, who are helping people every Monday, who are coming in looking for help and we never have to say no for, for financial reasons. God is going to bless you. And I'm not a name it and claim it kind of preacher. Don't accuse me of that. The majority of the blessing you're going to be receive is strength of character. That devotion is the bedrock on which character is built. You devote yourself first and watch righteousness and holiness and mercy and grace overflow out of your life. That's what we see in Boaz. That's what we see in Ruth. Now you might say to me, well, Lloyd, so what? So what? My friend Vince came to my office on Monday and we were trading notes, shop talk. And he gave me this one. He said, full devotion makes all the difference. I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios. I think you know this in your heart already. So I'm just going to give you a couple of things. Because we know this is true. We know this is true. But we just need to kind of see it. So consider an employee at the office. 
Is work just a paycheck for you? Or do you see yourselves as being of service to humanity? Do you go to work? Are you going to go to work tomorrow just to get a paycheck? Or are you going to see yourself as ministering to God and serving humanity? A teacher in the classroom, are you just going through the motions until the bell rings at the end of the day? Or do you want to inspire your students to be lifelong learners? I want to tell you this, I want to be in that, that teacher who wants to have lifelong learners. I want to be in Nick's mom's class. Pastor Elder, are you a faithful shepherd, fully devoted to the needs of the flock? Or do you just like the position? Some things that we have to think about. We got to think about us pastor elders. We got to think about why we're serving God's people. What are we shepherds or hirelings that really don't care about the flock, but are in the ministry just for what we can get? We got to really check our hearts all of the time, all of the time. I think that's enough examples. Maybe just one, just one more, just one more. This one broke my heart. I was getting my son uh, ready to go to my aunt's funeral on Saturday. This was Friday. Um, he had to wear a jacket. Every time my kids have to wear something nice, I got to go to the store. So we go to a store. Okay, they're growing. My boys are still kind of growing. We go to the store. And we go to the men's section of this store that you know. And it's a mess. It's a shambles. And there's one young woman who's working this whole section, you know, 400 square feet. And she's trying to pick up stuff. And I asked her, hey, do you have a tape measure where you can measure my son, his, his arm and his neck? And she doesn't, but she said, hey, I, there's a couple of shirts you can, he can try on and go over here. And so my son takes these shirts and he goes on because he needs to know what size he's got. And uh, while she's in there, she confides in me. Now she looks worn down, young woman, not 30. She's worn down, she's tired, and she confides. She says, they won't hire anybody around here. So. I mean, I work as hard as I can, and then I come back, and it's in the same condition it was when I left, except it's worse now because more customers have come in, and I never can catch up. You know, and, I, and my son came out, and we decided what we were going to buy, and I sat there, my mind clicked, and I said this. I said, devotion of a business, its owners, its leaders, to its employees is the difference between a good business or one that's bankrupt morality, immorality. Devotion to the employees is the difference. It makes all the difference. Devotion makes all the difference. As a Christian, if you're wondering why you can't seem to grow, things just, you're not being as productive, I say check your heart, do a devotion check. Because what God does is to his devoted people, he lavishes them with blessings. And that's what we see happening all in chapter 2. I've already told you about the wonderful blessings that Ruth has gotten. She gets 30 pounds the first day, the very first day. She comes home to her mother. Her mother's astounded. She says, how did you get so much? 
This young woman is so generous, she brings her leftover doggy bag. She brings her doggy bag that Boaz allowed for her. She said, here, have my doggy bag. And 30 pounds, her mother said, like, oh where did you go? Where, how did this happen? Well, 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 you, I, mother, I saw a man. <laughs> I can imagine looking over here. Mother, I saw a man. Boaz. And Ruth just breaks out in, excuse me, Naomi breaks out in worship. Just a day or two, she was full of bitterness and pain, and now she begins to see through the providences of God that God has wonderful things in store, that she's going to use this man to, to restore and, and nurture and provide for her. She blesses God. She blesses Boaz. Just a day or two. That's why I say that in the darkest of times, you got to remember that God is planning for your good. I went to a funeral yesterday, but today I'm here praising God with you. I'm telling you, things can change in your life. It don't take that long. It can change in a moment, in a blink. God can take bad and turn it to wonderful, even at a funeral. There's these blessings. Boaz has the blessing of the esteem of the community, of these two women. They pray for him. There's blessings, spiritual blessings that come from being godly people of virtue. And obedience to God doesn't just benefit us. Obedience to God benefits the entire world. This is, this is Moses speaking to the people. See, I have, set, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded you, me, so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. We need to be towers of virtue in order to draw unbelievers into the kingdom of God. So it's not only that you become a tower of virtue, it's not only that you have spiritual blessings and that God will provide for all of your needs, it's much bigger than that. It's a part of the kingdom plan. It's the part of God's plan to redeem the world, depends on you being totally devoted, that you not make the gospel look difficult and onerous, but that you beautifully believe and obey every in and out of every day. So, so what? So because full devotion leads to God's tremendous blessing, I want to ask Christians to consider making, doing something, applying this to your lives. And I want to ask non-Christians, I got a couple minutes, I want to ask you to apply this to your lives. There are certain times when you need to renew. This is what I want you to do. I want you to renew. Um, my church in Waukegan 
uh, called me, appointed me to be, licensed me to be a preacher in 2000. Uh, over the next three years, life was pulling me apart. I was working many hours, raising kids, just, I was feeling like there was no way I could keep the commitment. So in 2003, I went back to the same pastor, the same senior associate pastor, and one of the deacons, I said, I need to recommit. I need, this isn't, this isn't going the way that I had planned. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not feeling all in. And, and I took that same certificate that they signed, I wrote on there Romans 1-2, right, about giving your all to Jesus, right, by leaving everything behind, Romans 1 and 2, and I, I also put in a scripture in Isaiah about send me, and I re-signed that thing. And then in 2013, you guys called me. I had another time to renew. You called me to this church, to this particular ministry, I had another time to remember that I was a, a, a Christian, that I was given a certain ministry, I had another time to renew. And what I want to say for you Christians is that you want to renew as well. From time to time, that you, we need to think through, we need to remember what God has done for us. We need to remember who God is, that's one. What God has done for us, that's two. And consider whether or not we need to repent and renew. Who God is what God has done for us, and whether I need to com confess and renew. And we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to do our closing song a little bit differently. It's going to be reflective. You're going to sit. They're going to play some hymns. And I'm going to give you just five minutes, Christians, to consider the wonderful, our wonderful God and how full devotion leads to God's tremendous blessing. I want you to just sit and think about whether you need to renew, like I've had to do several times. I'll have to do it again this year. Just to remember who I am and who God is and what I'm called to do. We need to, we need to do that to apply this. Non-Christians, we're so glad that you're here today because we believe that Jesus draws those who you know, he loves people that have doubts and questions. I know sometimes we Christians don't always act like that, but Jesus loves doubters and people who have questions. And he draws them by his spirit and he uses the church to help you. That's what we're here for, to try to help see if we can help you with your doubts and answer your questions. I want you to consider three questions do, during this time. One, is Jesus Christ really God? Two, if he is really God, how has he proven that to you? Is Jesus Christ really God? If he is really God, how has he proven that to you? And the third question, hope I didn't forget. Bear with me on this third question because it's really important. Would you consider, as you come to church, really determine whether if Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and the church are worth your total devotion? I'll have these questions on the board. Is Jesus, is the church, is the Word of God worth your total devotion? That's what I want to do. I want to close with this. I am really inspired by the Word of God that calls us to total devotion.
This is one of my favorite texts. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And what this is saying is that our faith is the favor of God. Our ability to obey the faith, the, the obedience, is the favor of God. And the devotion then, the love and the commitment is also the favor of God. So I just say that just don't, this, this, there's an opportunity, there's an offer that he makes to us. Devotion is an offer, it's, a, it's, it's grace to us. And it comes with God's abiding favor forever. Won't you pray with me? The worship team is coming at this time. They're going to sing two verses of the hymn. And I'm going to ask that, uh, that you would just sit quietly. And then we're going to pop up these questions for just five minutes. I got my eyes on the clock. Five minutes of quiet. Then they're going to sing the last two verses. And when I, I'm going to come and do a benediction. And what I would like for you to do is to leave the sanctuary quietly. When you, when, when you want. Just, just leave quietly. You can connect with your friends out in the lobby. We still want you to talk and go to the reception desk, but we want time for people to think about what we've talked about this morning. Lord, just, just uh, help us to be like you. Fully devoted, you went to the cross and died for all men and extended this gracious offer to come and be your servant and receive your word which is given to us to flourish. It's given for our good. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people this morning.